On February 11th, 1997, Pavement released a record that promised to brighten the corners of any room, as Bob Nastanovich put it in an interview leading up to the record. It didn't brighten the corners of my room because I was 22 and my head was heavy with a big decision that I needed to make. I uh, was in undergraduate. I was doing a four-year degree, but it looked like I was going to need a fifth year to complete that degree. And for some reason, um, even though I had just been elected president of the student council, uh, which is really funny, um, I bailed on it all. I bailed and walked away and said, no, um, I made up some horrible excuse. Like when I came to university, I said I would be here for four years and I lasted four years and I, and I failed. So I'm going to accept this failure and I'm going to continue on. And that was a mistake. And it's a mistake and a monkey that's been on my back ever since. Now it's a horrible thing to have a monkey on your back, but it's even worse when you're 22 turning, getting ready to turn 23. And there's a lot going on in the world. There are great new records being released. There are great movies coming out. I mean, the empire strikes back was being re-released on the big screen. Now it was a special edition and that sort of sucked. But at the time we were psyched. We were so ready for this movie to see it. It was going to change things, you know, and we knew there would be a new star Wars coming up in 99 and that was going to be great. But I wasn't great. Things weren't great. Things were pretty terrible. I started listening to pop schmaltz as background music, you know, because I, I, I didn't want to dig deep and find new music to listen to. So I just let it sort of fall into my ears. Now, Spice Girls are still a guilty pleasure, but uh, at the time, what was I thinking? There was, there was shit going on in the mainstream music sucked, but in between the cracks, there was some amazing stuff. And Stephen Malcolmus, Mark Eibold, Steve West, Spiral Stairs, Bob Nastanovich were responsible for a number of tracks that would have changed my outlook had I found them at the time. I didn't find them at the time. It would be four more years before I listened to Brighten the Corners. And it quickly became my first favorite pavement record. The band had recorded it the previous summer with Mitch Easter and Bryce Goggin, who you'll remember was responsible for the mix on both Crooked Rain and Wowie Zowie. And by this point, you know, the band probably had a good shorthand with him. He probably understood what they were doing and he could bring more to the table. And you can hear it in the record. It's like if Wowie Zowie was the explosive, creative, tour de force triple record, then Bright in the Corners was a return to the songwriting style of Crooked Rain, 
without the zeitgeist. So over the next several weeks, let's polish the spectacles, dust out the cobwebs, and shine a light to brighten the corners. Welcome to Meeting Malcolmus, a pavement podcast. Hey, it's JD here, back for another week of combing through the work of seminal indie rock band Pavement with the hope that I can style (laughs) my crazy hair that hasn't been cut since February. I think I'm just going to grow it out. I think I'm going to become a long hair again, like I was, you know, back in the day. But I digress because we're here to talk about pavement and specifically the record Bright in the Corners and more specifically the song Stereo, which kicks off the record. But before we do that, I want to thank everybody who, uh, reached out, and uh, we'll leave it at that. Thanks. I um, typically talk to our friend Bobby from Atlanta, and uh, this episode is no exception. Um, We talked to Bobby, who talks to uh, several people does some research on the record covers so that we can, uh, dig in as a whole, all the new record episodes begin with, um, my sort of monologue off the top. <laughs> and then we talk to Bobby from Atlanta and we get some insight onto the record cover. So let's do that. Let's listen to, uh, my interview with Bobby from Atlanta and uh, get his input on um, talking to Mark O about uh, the record cover for Bright in the Corners. It's not a record cover. I'm, I'm you know, of all the pavement record covers, uh, five long plays. Um, it's the one I've thought about the least, and uh, I was interested to talk to Bobby. You know, on that basis, it's it's not that uh, it isn't interesting. It's Maybe it's a little normal. Maybe it's, you know, a little bit normal. Yeah, that might be what it is. So let's uh, let's go live now. <laughs> it's not live. It's not live. That would be really weird um, if you all tuned in. <laughs> uh, this is Bobby from Atlanta. I'll shut up now. JD. Bobby, how's it going? Good man. I don't know How if this is. You? I don't know if this is too loud. Hold on, I'm just doing a bit of sound check here. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm all right. Yeah, I'm all right. Just, yeah. just hectic. Just really hectic. Last week was just. Uh, I had to take my daughters to my brothers for a couple of days, and I, you know, mistook how long. Like my wife makes most of my plans for me. <laughs> Um, because I'm not good at, (laughs) I'm not good at planning. So I just execute, right? I just, uh, she gives me the, you know, gives me the, uh, playbook and I execute. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, so talk to me because I uh, like I'm excited to genuinely excited for, for this one for some reason, because it's not an album cover that really stands out. You know what I mean? Like the same way as yeah. the, the previous three. It's a little bit more whatever. So uh, you talk to our friend again. Did Mark O. Mark uh, O. Got him on the line. I sent. I I prompt him about uh, you know a week or two in advance and say, Mark O. Do uh, do your best uh, recollection and and sleuthing and and remembering about what happened back in what is this ninety ninety seven ninety ninety seven okay yeah. yeah. So it took him a minute. He said, "Gosh, let me think about this." And he's like, "God, I don't really, I don't really have a whole lot for you." And then he kind of, <laughs> and then it, you know, and then it kind of like one thing leads to the next. And he's like, "Oh, but now that I think about it, you even told me about this book." Or actually, that wasn't the case. But um, so you can tell you got a little, a little bit of. Uh, cut and paste going on as it seems to be Stephen's want uh, with these album covers and that you can picture him with an exacto knife um, you know listening to some vinyl records at home with an exacto knife just kind of digging through a pile of magazines and books and looking for inspiration and it seems like he I'd be curious to know and I don't know that I'm not sure if Mark could tell us, but I'd be curious to know at what point in the recording process was he cutting and pasting ideas together for the album art. Oh, I would that would be cool to know. Sort of simultaneously, maybe. Um, or, you know, I guess they, they put everything down in the studio and then there's a good lull between that moment and the record release of probably, I don't know, a year back in those days between recording, you know? So he's probably returning back to his house after freshly recording songs and thinking, man, what what is the package going to look like? Which is the mystery we're all trying to decode. Um, So this one, he he did a similar thing to... um, Planet, I guess, and well, I think all of the albums thus far, he sent a package to Marco <laughs> and to the um, to the studio or to the uh, record label, and just said, "I've got some ideas, and this is kind of what I'm thinking." And then I think Marco kind of helps him steer the ship to the dock, so to speak. <laughs> um, and so he, I think what Mark was saying was that the cover, which is, you've got orange and kind of blue eyeball pattern going on. Yeah. And then Mark referred to it as a dragon in the center. I've always seen it as a rattlesnake for some reason, because that's more like Southern America, 
<laughs> yeah, I definitely see it as a as a serpent, like not a. I'm looking at it yeah. right now, and I see it as a as a serpent rather than a a dragon. Interesting. Well, the face. You look at the face though, and there has those kind of like um something that hangs down from the neck area. <laughs> It, it is a little dragon, dragony. I can but see that. Anyway, okay. I was, yeah. You know, you never really look at these things and study them carefully no. until you do a do a podcast. <laughs> um, I just always saw it as a snake. But anyway, all of these things, and I don't know exactly where the snake or dragon element comes from, but I do know where the lettering comes from. Okay. And as was the case with slanted it's been ripped off of old artwork from a, a bygone era <laughs> this book um this book jacket um is entirely orange that i'm looking at in front of me i wish we had a, a video you know and visual for people but it's basically the orange color the book jacket is called is called As I Look at Life. As I Look and, at Life. Yeah, and so wink wink, there's eyeballs. And it's from nineteen twenty five. Um just old, old. Jeez. And so the the whole book jacket's orange with these kind of black and blue eyeballs. And the pattern of the book jacket looks very much like what you see here, it's just flat orange background. And so as I look at life, I don't know if that was a prominent book in 1925, but uh, it did make news as a cool book jacket design. Okay. So it ended up, it ended up being featured in a book called, Jackets required, which is kind of a <laughs> kind of a kind of a corny throwback term. Um, I remember when if you went to a country club or a fine steakhouse, you would have a jackets required at the door, which is like laughable now. You know, you never see that anymore. No, but, I did. It made me think of so Phil Collins right away as soon as you said it. I was yeah, just thinking, yeah. no jacket required. No jacket. Required. <laughs> he was. Phil was casual, right? That's right. So casual. <laughs> so Jackets Required was a, a survey of book cover design from 1920 to 1950, I think, is what it says here. So it was filled with cool graphical book jackets. Um, and as I look at life, this particular book was featured in that in that kind of anthology of design, book design. So I guess Stephen has a, has good taste in his, you know, graphic selections. That's so he obviously fascinating. I don't think he would have even, you know, been searching this out. We've talked about this before, but the fact that. Um, you know, it's not like you could jump on the internet and look this stuff up. Like you'd be going to the library or, you know, a bookstore, an obscure bookstore to pick something like that up, you know? Yep. Yep. I would think it would be a use. I mean, I hope 
hopefully he's not uh, creating any criminal activity by renting library books. <laughs> right. Fair up. enough. Fair sure, enough. Surely <laughs> not. So yeah, use bookstore maybe surfing through there um, would be a possibility. And then um, I think the bright in the corners in the bottom right corner uh, was just written on a piece of white paper with black pen, you know. And so that's that's Mark O's job is to take that piece and figure out how to work it in. So I think Stephen wrote Bright in the Corners. Oh wow! Okay. In black, in black, black pen. In that sort of three-dimensional style. Yeah, the, the like um, kind of triangular, yeah, yeah. Rec- rectangular thing. I think he also wrote pavement on on Crooked Rain, and I think he also wrote with whiteout in his handwriting on. On uh, Slanted. So I think it's all his handwriting, I believe. Huh. That might be uh, might be an inaccuracy somewhere in there, but I believe that's the case. So anyway, Mark gets this scrapbook of little pieces of paper and, and pastiche, cut and paste, glue, Elmer glue <laughs> uh, on black background. And so Stephen kind of put it all together, and and then he's got this little—it's like a skeleton dancing with a salsa dancer or something down there in the other, the bottom left. Right. So that would yeah. be that would be Mark O's job as a—he's a an art director, which would mean that you kind of help direct the art. <laughs> so so he's taking these scraps and he's thinking, well, in the bottom, you know, the bottom area is kind of empty. So we'll, maybe we can bump up the, the cutout lettering to the top and then you know, squeeze these pieces in the bottom. And then, you know, obviously there's other scraps in that in the box that was mailed to the uh, record company. So he probably, you know, he would use whatever didn't go on the cover, he would use in the back or insides to decorate and kind of give it the same feel. Right. To me, bright in the corners the artwork is is kind of bold and contrasty and, you know, orange is kind of an energetic, orange and black is a kind of an energetic, powerful statement. But I think that it's maybe not, maybe not as interesting as some of the others because there's not, maybe not as much going on. Yeah. You think slant, um, slanted is just so like grabs your attention. It grabs your attention, you know, through the red. Yeah. So you've had a red, you've had a red record. You've had sort of a beigey record and then, you know, the bright greens and blues in Wowie. And then you get this stark, you know, red and uh, pardon me, orange and black record. And it's a February release. So it's not even, <laughs> you know, it's not even, fall like where you would expect orange to be more prominent that seems so strange to say but uh you know it's a yeah, it's a winter is sort of dark and bleak and you've got this you know nice bright orange to sort of pull you through i don't i doubt for a second any of that is considered but you know it's uh it's interesting to think about nonetheless you know in hindsight but that's kind of uh that's kind of the story of this one 1925 uh 
cut and pasted turns into 1997. Um, I think that's a cool, you know, it's a different eras, far gone past eras of design are kind of interesting because they're so they stand out as being so different and kind of weird in the modern the modern world. So I think it's and it's also kind of like a you know copyright infringement proof method. <laughs> you know, there, there, if you can go back if you can go back in time to where everyone that was living then is deceased then you're kind of a little bit safer on uh, rather than cutting up a Time magazine from right. last year, um, that sort of thing. So, so where yeah, does this little, little where does this album cover rate for you? Like, just as, as you know, are you able to separate it from the music? I would rec- I would recognize it like. Um, like the same way that you would relate to a song where like the opening track stereo is the opening track, right? Yeah. We're back. My next guests are here to perform a song from their new album, Bright in the Corners. And they'll be appearing this Sunday as a part of the big Tibetan Freedom Concert on Randall's Island right here in New York City. Please welcome Pavement. Rots and the owners hate the jocks with the agents and their dates. If the signature's a check, you just have to wait. We're counting up the instance that we save. Tired nations so depraved. From the chiefs, they see me wave to the camera. Took a giant ramrod to raise the demon settlement. But of Getty Lee How did it get so high? I wonder if he speaks like an ordinary guy I know him and he does You're my fact-checking cup But I hope 
Yeah. I think it's cool. It's not, it may be not, maybe it isn't my favorite album cover artwork of theirs, but yeah, it's different. It stands, stands out as being different from the others. So I think that's cool. You know, that it's, it's got its own, and this, and that album really has its own feel to it too. It's not, I don't know. It's, it's just different to me in a way than, than some of the others. As far as like Uh-oh. looking back on, it's so, it's so looking different. Looking back on the time. Yeah. Can't wait to dig it. They're into. all, they're all different. Yeah, certainly they're all different, but this one is different in a different way. It's uh, it, it feels more refined. It feels more. Uh, you said the word shiny. Um, you know, uh, it it just feels more like a band record. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, that goes against what Bob told me when I spoke with him. He said, "Wowie is the most, you know, sort of band record there is." Um, but there's just something about this record that seems, I, I don't want to say this in a derogatory way, but ordinary, you know, like it's, it's, uh, it doesn't feel as indie. It doesn't feel as, um, well, I don't know. We're going to get into it as we, as we go through it. But, uh, yeah, it's not like, it's not my go-to favorite album. I'll say that. But then once you start breaking, you start looking in the track listing and you're like, holy shit, this is a really good record. I mean, a lot of really badass songs are on there. All right, man. You be well. And uh, take good care. Turn. Sure.
rates, that feedback just goes into forever, right? That's where, you know, when a song fades out, it just goes into forever. That's what I often think. So um, I'm going to tell you that uh, I'm very grateful to Bobby from Atlanta for doing that legwork, talking to art director Mark O. Uh, Mark O for doing the legwork and uh, putting together the the uh, concept that comes from the mind of our friend SM. Uh, interesting shit. I never knew it was a, I never looked close enough. I always thought it was a coiled like rattlesnake, you know, not a, not a dragon creature, but, uh, I stand corrected. So there's that in between. Um, I, I cut up our conversation a little bit and I dropped, uh, a, a version of stereo from 97 from the Conan O'Brien show. What was it called? The late night with Conan O'Brien. Uh, Drop that in there so you got to hear that, the live version there. They clearly were having a lot of fun with that version. So, you know, the idea that this is a return, and this is my own idea, but a return to sort of that Crooked Rain style of songwriting, uh, more traditional, more ordinary, I think I said in the conversation with uh, Bobby. They hadn't, they hadn't, it's not like they were giving in. It's not as though they put out Wowie and, uh, you know, Wowie was the record that, well, there's two ways to think of it, right? That one, you know, one version of history is that they released Wowie to cool off after the uh, zeitgeist um, that surrounded Crooked Rain and they tried to alienate their fan base, which makes no sense. The other alternative version of history, which I'm more in line with, is they went to the studio as a band that had been on the road for a bit. They had a lot of ideas and they wanted to put them all on record. And this was a band that had a history of putting uh, short uh, song ideas on record. So it wasn't, you know, out of the ordinary. But here we are, you know, with with uh, Bright in the Corners and, you know, it's more three-minute songs. And, and there might be a lot of people who looked at this at the time and said, Oh, well there's pavement. They are, uh, you know, selling out. Um, Wowie's how we didn't work. So they're, you know, going to make a, make a more traditional record of songs. And, uh, then they go on national television and goof around with it because at the end of the day, that's who they are. That's what they did. That's what they were. They were never going to be that band to do a press junket, you know, and, and take it wholly seriously. Um, they, they just, it doesn't seem like it's in the DNA of pavement to do that. That's not to say that the version of stereo on the tonight show or late night was, you know, to lose or, or whatever. It's just them, <laughs> just fucking them. Relax everybody. It's just them. Um, but the studio version, God damn, that's, that's toit. That is toit like Tyga. Uh, that is some good, good shit. And, uh, I really like it. Love, love the, uh, interplay between, um, between Bob and, uh, uh, Steven. I love in the video that you get to see Bob with a guitar. Um, that's pretty fucking badass. Uh, so check out that video and you can see them on a couple shots. Nothing 
uh, he's not centered on the screen or anything, you know, doing a solo or anything like that, but he's just, uh, you see him with the guitar strapped on it. It's just nice. <laughs> it's just kind of cool. Um, and the Getty Lee thing as a Canadian, you know, obviously, uh, obviously that's important. And I, I do need to say somebody wrote me and I forget at the moment who it was who wrote me talking about Labor Day. And, um, we do have Labor Day in Canada. We just spell it with a U, <laughs> which is weird. It's different than America in that way. We spell it with a U, baby. But yeah, we do have Labor Day here because, you know, go unions. Um, so there's that. Uh, I will say that um, I, I couldn't tell you that this song is about anything in particular. I think it's a, just a straight ahead rocker, you know, and it's, uh, that sounds so lame <laughs> and fucking weird for pavement, but that's sort of what it is. This is their version of a rock song and it's really quite good, especially again, considering what was going on in 97, you had pop music emerging with the Backstreet Boys and the Spice Girls and, uh, you know, soon to be in sync and, you know, all the rest of it. Um, in, in the more guitar driven music, you had, uh, you had like corn and you had, uh, like that ilk. Um, I always disparage corn and, you know, forgive me if you're a giant corn fan. Um, I don't get it. So there's that. Uh, maybe someday I'll be doing a corn podcast, though, and, <laughs> and you'll all point at me and laugh and say, ah, oh, you listened to it 10 years too late, and um, now you get how important they are. No, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, yeah, I, I think there's some really great lyrical interplay, uh, you know, highlighted with that Getty Lee lyric. That's just great. That's just really fun. It sounds so off the cuff. Uh, and it may well have been, you know, knowing what we know about SM's songwriting style. Um, but it's just fun. I love the baseline. Uh, I love that we get fuzz. I love that we get some, some screaming. Yeah, this is, this is a, a kickoff to a record that really shows what you're going to get on this record. Um, and that's straight ahead by and large, you know, structured songs by a band that knows how to fucking write a structured song, despite what they say, uh, you know, SM saying, I'm not good at choruses, bullshit, like bullshit. This is great. And, uh, can't wait to share the rest of this record with you. Anyway, um, that's what I got for you this week. And, uh, once again, thank you for, um, the kind words on Twitter and email meant a lot and, uh, sorry for flaking out there. Talk to you next week. Wash your hands, be good and stay on cool. See you next week. Meeting Malcolmus, a pavement podcast, is a weekly affair. Connect with JD at JD at meetingmalchemist.com. Please support the pod by rating, reviewing, or sponsoring us at meetingmalchemist.com. And hey, I'm social. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at meetingmalchemist.